Two men standing on either side of a house began to describe the things they saw. And at first, their descriptions sounded very similar. Black roof, tan gutters, gray siding, wooden shutters, you know, the big picture stuff. Eventually, they both started to point out the small details that made their side stand out from the rest. But as their descriptions grew apart, they started to argue, and neither man cared enough to step to the other side. Unable to accept their differences, they began to destroy their new opponent's side of the house, and the house fell. Welcome to the Uniformed Reality Podcast. Police officers sharing their stories. This is their reality. Quite the ominous opening for a podcast, especially for one where you probably anticipated hearing some combination of obnoxious sirens, maybe some radio traffic or police jargon like bolo or call for service. Obviously, you'll probably hear some of that over the coming episodes because those talking here are going to be police officers. But I wanted to start out with that parable of perspectives, which I so astutely named because I'm a sucker for alliteration, because I wanted to set the playing field. I wanted the level set. Traditionally, we in law enforcement do like to hold things somewhat close to the chest. And a lot of times it's necessary to protect cases and protect the community. But sometimes that does bleed over into our everyday lives. You know, if you've ever had a time to sit down and speak with an officer one-on-one, you have probably noticed that we are just as convicted or just as passionate about things as you were. And it might have been shocking because a lot of times you see us in scenarios where we're serious. So the point of this podcast is to open up the fence to the backyard of the house and let each one of you come over to our side and see some of the detail that we're describing that you might not see from your side. I'm going to stop talking here in a couple seconds, but first I would like to introduce our guest. I think probably one of the most appropriate guests for the first episode of this podcast, just because if you think of a cop, this person is probably who you think of. Think of it this way. If, if you had a poster board for recruitment advertisement, right? This guy would be on it. This guy's tall. This guy's muscular. Nope. No. No, no I'm sorry. That's the fire department calendar, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely fire department. This guy has done it all. He has been in our SWAT team. He has been part of our violent criminal apprehension team, VCAT. And he actually is now a sergeant over one of our canine units, Sergeant Donnie Penix. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, want to give our audience a little bit of a background about who you are. I know I went over a very high-level overview of your experience here in the department, although it's uh, far more sweeping than that. Just give us a little background about yourself. Maybe even start, you know, you told me your dad was uh, a retired cop even here at CMPD. Yes, he was a, uh, a Charlotte police officer. He came on in 1974. I was negative 26 years old at that point. Yeah. Uh, he moved, well, he, we moved from Tennessee when my father was a camp, uh, University of Tennessee campus police, and then came to Charlotte. And he retired in 1999. Now, I came on in 1997. So I was one of the lucky ones to actually get to work with my father wow. in a roundabout way for a couple of years. So it's pretty cool. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, now, for those of you listening, I would really like to talk about how Sergeant Penix got to be interviewed on this podcast. 
Uh, it was really interesting because traditionally, as I've mentioned before, law enforcement tends to be rather close to the chest, especially on certain topics. And for someone who was in SWAT and VCAT, now canine to reach out to me and say, hey, my hand's raised over here. I would love to come and be a part of the podcast. It, it, it interested me. And uh, just jump into that a little bit, Sarge. Can you go into why you sent me the email asking to be part of the podcast? Yeah, when the uh, when I saw your email about the uh, Officer Involved podcast was getting started or however that was going to take place, it uh, immediately piqued my interest. I've been trying to, and I'll be quite honest and open during this whole thing, that the, the mental health piece and officer wellness of our job is something that's near and dear to me. It's something that... I have an experience that I want to share and trying to find the right platform and find that stepping stone. And this just caught my eye and, you know, we can hesitate a lot of times to do things and I want to just step off the ground and do it. And I thought this was an opportunity. So I reached out to you to try to pick your brain and see if this, we could do this. That's incredible. I really didn't have to look that hard. So it made at least the launch and finding our first guest. Very, very simple. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're talking about this, the mental health or the officer wellness portion of this job. Why is that important? Career survival. Not only, well, I say that career survival, but personal survival. Um, I was involved in several critical incidences, as most police officers have over the course of their career. However, there have been several that really impacted me. They took a personal toll on me, my family, um, and my career. And I had to work through those problems to get help for myself so I could finish this career positively and on a good note, right? Um, so when I embarked on this journey of healing, I wanted to pay it forward, quite simply. there's I know there's a lot of people that probably have the same struggles that I've had and still deal with to this day. But we as police officers are so guarded that a lot of times we won't go forward and ask for help or show anybody that we need it for fear of showing signs of weakness. And I wanted to try to help, quite honestly. Well, you come with a level of gravitas to this, too, because there is this image of I've got it all together projected by certain areas within the law enforcement profession that you've been in. And to have that level of gravitas entering into conversations with those around you is a great platform to leverage. Let's go into some of the outlets that law enforcement. Well, let's back up a little bit. Law enforcement has to have an outlet. We have to have an outlet to manage some of the stuff we see. And out of complete transparency, a lot of times people will see videos of officers being what they appear to be cold or uns or desensitized to certain incidences. And a lot of that is us trying to portray this level of confidence, this level of I can take care of this. But deep down, we are truly affected by a lot of the things we see. And, and you used the term critical incidences earlier, and those can span the realm from anything officer-related when we're having to use any level of force to even dealing with a member of our community undergoing a tragedy of themselves, whether or not they're suicidal, whether or not they've lost a child, whether lost a family member. It really takes its toll on us. And obviously you can only speak for yourself, but I think it would apply to a lot of us. Where did you find the outlets that worked? That's a really great question, and that was a journey in of itself. Um, it, for me, it was a cumulative effect of all the things I've seen for the last 23 years, right? There, there are certain incidences that stand out that were directly impactful on the road I was going down, but it was a, it was a cumulative effect of all these things over time, right? 
And then there was that final um, break in the glass, if you will, that, that resonated with me that I had to get help. And I didn't know where to turn at first. I'll just back up just a little bit. There's, a, there's sort of a stigma with us, with police officers, especially uh, being a member of the SWAT team for 15 years, you know, as a sniper for 13 years. I've been a detective and sergeant on VCAT. So there's kind of an aura about that position where you can't be weak or you don't need help or you can handle it, right? It's not the case. We're human just like anyone else is. We chose a different path, but we're human and things affect us. So for me, I had I had to try to do something because it was it was devastating not me internally and it was taking a toll on my family life and life of my friends outside of work. It was affecting my hobbies. So I went to EAP. However, it didn't work for me. So I honestly I just quit. I said enough. I'll handle this on my own. I'm you know I'm a former SWAT guy. I'm a VCAT sergeant. I can handle this. I can do it. Right? Not the case. Over time, it became it affected my job. It affected my relationship with the people that work for me. It affected my relationship with my friends. So I had to ask for help from someone I really, really trusted that would hopefully have an answer for me. And they did. And they got me down a path to success. I went through a organization called Veterans Homebridge, who I spoke with their counselors who kind of guided me on the course to healing. And quite simply, I was told, you have to find someone you mesh with. It may take four or five or six or whatever that number is to find that person you connect with, and then you can start your healing process. For me, it was it was two or three people. When I found that third, I knew I, I could do it. And we immediately clicked, and we started a process from there. Love hearing that background and that story, and I think it'll help a lot of – uh, people in the community, not only uh, our community members, but also any officers that are listening to this podcast that realize, hey, you know, there is there is no shame in trying to go get no. counseling. There's no shame in that. And it's actually, if you dive into it a little further, having good mental health, good financial health, good physical health, those all culminate into making you the best employee you can be, the best officer you right. can be for the community. Absolutely. So you're really robbing yourself of of this ability to serve the community, which is why 95% of us started. Right. You know, you're really robbing yourself of the ability to serve the community at the highest capacity that you have possible. Right. I think you, it goes even further where you do you're not only yourself a disservice, but we all serve the community. There's no ways around it, right? You do yourself a disservice and the community a disservice by trying to fight the need for help. It, it it can be embarrassing. I was embarrassed the first time I did it. I was almost embarrassed to come to you and talk to you about this. But it is also part of the healing process to talk about this and share these stories. And hopefully, if someone else is on that fence of asking for help, this can be the catalyst to push them over and get them in a, a path of healing. Well, I have a high respect for you coming on to talk about this important topic. Before we do segue into our next topic of discussion, I wanted to make sure that I at least briefly commented on a matter that is difficult to talk about, not only for us in law enforcement, but also for many members of our community. 
I think it fits perfectly into our conversation, and it is very timely, being as September this month is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. This week is actually National Suicide Prevention Week, and believe it or not, the day this podcast launched is World Suicide Prevention Day. I want to encourage anyone listening who is struggling with depression or thoughts of suicide to reach out to someone. Those around you care, and even though I may not know who you are, I do truly honestly care about you. If you're in Charlotte, my agency has an entire unit and team of many partners to point you in the right direction. Take care of your problem before it becomes something that seems like it's too big to overcome. Jumping into kind of CMD's continued growth in this realm, we we talked offline about how excited you were about hearing that employee wellness was one yes, of the core absolutely. four strategies. Go into that. Why, why is that exciting to you? It's, I've been here for over 23 years and employee, you know, value in our employees has always been a part of the mission statement, but for the chief and the executive staff to put that in the forefront, that value in our employees, health and wellness, to put that in the core four is that is, that is a bold move. It's a very bold move in today's world. I, I was super excited to see that because this is honestly near and dear to me. And I, I think it's, I'm, I'm just super impressed with it. To your point, employee wellness has always been built into our strategy as right. a department for as long as, you know, I've yes. been here. You know, previously it was professional development was built into professional development. But now this is like it's set aside as an additional uh, priority for the organization. It's it's very exciting to see that as uh, as a priority because it does recognize uh, the importance of our employees' performance and how that is all incumbent upon our financial, mental, physical well-being. Yes, if, you know, if we want to professionally develop officers, sergeants, lieutenants, and above, everything has to be right across the board. You can't have everything just right at, at, in your career at work. It has to be right at home. It has to be right in your personal life, your financial health, as you said. All that comes into play to make you a better officer. So if you take all those pieces and try to put them together, we're going to develop the best officers we can instead of just focusing on the career piece of it. Right, right. For those not familiar with some of our employee wellness initiatives, currently here at the department, I think our department already does an incredible job with many of the benefits they provide us, like the employee assistance program that Sarge mentioned earlier, peer support, the department psychologist, and even using innovative methods like Yeti the dog. And to be clear, Yeti is not the department psychologist. Yeti is actually a cute furry dog that someone brings around from time to time. But anyway, looking into the future of our department, I'm really excited, selfishly, obviously, as an employee, where we continue to grow as an agency. Having said that, Sarge, I think those listening have probably been waiting for some type of cool, high-speed story, especially with your experience in SWAT and apprehending violent criminals and even having a dog as a coworker in your career in your you said 23 20, over 23 years. over 23 year career what is one of the most interesting things you've done I would have to say repelling out of a helicopter as a part of the SWAT team if we're talking about the coolest thing that is by far one of the coolest things I've ever done well I I got to turn my blue lights on and, <laughs> and, and do that. Being a part of the SWAT team was one of the highlights of my career by far. Um, but to repel out of, out of Snoopy onto a building is hands down one of the coolest things I've ever done. Wow. I am 
I'm terrified of heights as a person. I'm really? Of them. Yes. So, well, how did that feel? Like, uh, <laughs> since you're terrified of heights, how did that feel? Like, so you're on the you're on the helicopter. You, you're you've got you know strapped into the rope, the harness, or whatever it's called. Pardon my ignorance. How did that feel? That first, let's just say the first few times. How did that I was feel? Scared to death. <laughs> I was absolutely scared to death. However, in a rappel harness, I'm super comfortable for whatever reason. It's, I don't know. It's crazy. Interesting. I still don't think it would be on the bucket list of things that uh, I would do. the e-ticket ride to Disney World. <laughs> uh, looking back over your career, you know, you saw your father go through this profession. You saw, or you've personally been through the profession for 23 years. Is it something you would do again? Yes, I would. And I know a lot of people may not believe that. And sometimes I have to convince myself that I would do it again. But, yes, it's more than, for me personally, it's more than a job. It was a calling, and I know that sounds cliche, but it was. My father even tried to talk me out of doing this job. Really? When I told him I wanted to do it, he tried everything he could to make me not do it. Why is that? I think he honestly wanted to make sure I wanted to do it for myself and for my own reason, not just to follow in his footsteps. He's very proud of me being a police officer, and I'm very proud that I've mirrored his career. But he wanted me to do it on my own. He wanted to make sure I had the, I was doing it for the right reasons. Well, that's uh, that's a great father. That's somebody yeah, who really cares man. about his child, and not just a legacy to continue. And yeah. uh, the fact that uh, he promotes the legacy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, of course. But yeah, he's uh, he's very proud of it. Is there a is there a a myth about law enforcement uh, at all um, that you can think of that would be, well, just that a myth? Off the top of my head, I think one of the myths are that we don't feel emotion that we don't feel pain, that we don't care. Um, you'll find, and you could do a, a study or a poll, we probably, as police officers, spend more time in other people's communities than we do in our own. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And I think that's a huge myth, that we embark on this journey, down this career, because at the end of the day, we want to help people, and make sure we uphold the law. And that's it's simple, yes, and it's cliche, but that's what we do. And we care about people. We really care about people. And I know you, that armor comes up, that shield comes up, police officers sure does. They stand behind that uniform and that badge, and they don't crack a smile, they don't say hello, they get, they're reluctant when people come and talk to us because we're afraid of ill intent. But I think if you ask the majority of police officers, they appreciate that, right? They're human. We're human beings just like the next person. And I think that's the biggest myth to me. Yeah. So uh, anyone listening who uh, that resonates with and anyone listening who wants to have maybe a potential future repelling out of helicopters, if you are interested in uh, serving the community in this capacity, specifically here in Charlotte, you can go to charlottepolicejobs.org and learn more about our organization, how you can even lateral from other agencies or even come in not knowing a single thing. I promise you, after you go through our police academy, you'll be more than prepared to, to serve the community. Um, so I fully welcome anybody to do that, and I'll try to put a link in the description on that. I know there are probably three-quarter of a million different podcasts you could have probably just listened to, so I'm greatly humbled that you spent some time on our side of the house. I personally would love to step over to your side during our future episodes, but there's one thing that I need to do that. 
I need to hear from you. You can reach out directly to me and send me your thoughts at uniformedreality at cmpd.org. Link should be in the description. I want to hear from you because I would love for the community side of the house to land in some of our future episodes. That being said, I am Officer Blake Page. Sergeant Donnie Penix. And we look forward to having you back on our side of the house soon here on the Uniformed Reality Podcast.